This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's your inside pass to everything Saints football. Jimmy Graham brings it down, and that is a touchdown, New Orleans. We'll take you to places most fans never go. To practice, to the sideline, to the locker room, following every twist, turn, and touchdown of the Saints season. That is going to be a touchdown, Taysom Hill, Taysom TD. Welcome to Inside Black and Gold. And that is going to be a touchdown again. And guess who? Mike Thomas. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Geller and Jeff Nowak. Oh, baby! Welcome to our non-NFC South winning, non-wild card earning edition of Inside the Black and Gold. Who that? Steve Geller along with Jeff Nowak. The Saints season is finito for 2023. Sadly... There are no playoffs for a third straight season, Jeff. And, oh, we've got plenty to talk to in a hell of a game for the Saints against the Falcons. Way to close things out. And then a ton of current, a ton of controversy at the end that everybody's buzzing about more today. Yes, yes. And, and you know, I, we, I considered doing this last night. It was just going to be super late. And there was so much to talk about. And I just I needed time to kind of digest and, like, collect my thoughts. Absolutely. Um, because... Well, this entire first segment, I decided we were just gonna do the Jamal. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Jamal Williams and the Jameis and the touchdown and then and, and, and then the pudding pops and uh, all that <laughs> good stuff. We're just gonna get through it. And I, honestly, I think this can and will be the last time we talk about it because I don't think it's a it's a huge lingering issue. I, I genuinely don't. As bad as it looks and as loud as people are talking about it, but we'll get through that. We have a lot. A lot to talk about. We're going to hear from, we're going to hear Bobby Abair's take. We're going to hear what Dennis Allen had to say. We're going to hear what Derek Carr had to say. We're going to hear what Jameis had to say. All that good stuff. Also talked to Eric McCoy in the locker room. And I thought he had a good take on it. So we're going to get into that second segment. We're going to dive into, you know, highs and lows, you know, what worked, what didn't the typical segment there. And then the final segment is going to be a mailbag as we do. So, but first 
between we're just going to kind of jump ahead here and listen to this exchange between Jameis and Ed Daniels of WGNO. Um, and this is courtesy of New Orleans Duff Football. They passed this along because I because there was too many people around Jameis. I couldn't even get my hand in there, but they were uh, kind enough to to pass along this audio. And so let's just, just just listen and appreciate how fortunate we are to have this uh, have this exchange in our memory banks going forward. What you say? decision made? Was it right there on the spot? Right when you're on? What, what decision are you talking about? At the end. Okay. What at the end? What decision? To, to have go for the touchdown. To go for the touchdown. Is that something decided on the sideline after the pick, or when you, did you wait till you get out, got out there? We decided on the field as a team. I mean, we don't regret. Do, do we regret for scoring forty-one points on them? Do you think we we regret that? Well, you do have to play these guys twice a year. That's all I'm saying. We we already played them twice. I know, but I'm talking about you know, somebody has got to play these guys twice a year. That's all. How do you feel about it? Tell me how you feel about it. Not good. <laughs> Why don't you feel good about it? Because you got to play these guys twice a year. But what about it makes you not feel good about it? The head coach tells you to kneel it up. You're asking my opinion? Yes. I think you should have kneeled it up. Okay. Well, I'm just telling you as respectfully as I can. You answer my question as respectfully as you could, and I'm telling you as respectfully as I can that I respectfully disagree with you. That's all. You disagree with me or the entire team? Whoever made that decision. Okay. So you disagree with the entire team. So thank you. No, I'm, I'm just being I'm being honest and respectful. And that's what I'm attempting to do too. And that's what I am doing. So am I. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Jameis. Thanks, <laughs> Golf claps to uh, to Ed Daniels, man. Way to go. Oh, man. Well, he's very much kind of get off my lawn there. I mean, like, this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is so funny. Uh, but Ed doesn't care. I don't tell you how he feels, right? He's not... Right gonna coddle you um but it was just funny to see them kind of engage in that way of like why why do you think it was a bad idea <laughs> you know um i also thought it was funny because and we'll get into this you know ed's point of like well you have to play them twice a year first of all i don't care yeah that part uh, i don't care about for sure yeah and and second of all i could see you could see it in Jameis's eyes <laughs> if you watch that video you can see in the back of his head being like I'm not playing these guys twice a year because I'm not going to be here. Well, I just like when he when he's like, uh, you know, talking about the play. He's like, what play? The only play you were in on. <laughs> what do you mean? When did we decide? Yeah, it was funny. He just he was just trying to draw draw the lines out of. Uh, it's just. Oh it yeah, right. It's like I need you to lay it out exactly for me. But we'll get into this. And yeah, so basically what, what happened, Tyron Matthew intercepts the ball, gets down to the one yard line, says he got caught in the matrix because <laughs> he just it looks couldn't like decide. He was thinking in his head, should I score? Should I go down? Yeah, he, he said like he just didn't think anyone would be chasing him, <laughs> you okay. know, which is fair. Like, I've, yeah, it's probably, you know, pretty surprising when the guy actually does chase you down like that when it's 41 to 17. It's like, why, why is that offensive lineman going for a jog? But <laughs> hey, you know, and that set it up. And and so there's a lot to get into, but let's just listen to uh, what Dennis Allen had to say after the game, because what, you know, it was weird in that moment. It was weird in that moment because yeah. I was like, wow, what a, what, what a Sean like thing to do in terms of the ultimate petty play call of, Oh, you're going to line up in the victory, victory formation, formation and run a play out of it. Like if you right. ran a play, that's one thing. But it was it was already a red flag of like something's not right here because why would you run a trick play? Because that's what it is. It's a trick play. 
in that moment. And you're not, it's not only a trick play, it's a trick play that's relying on the other team. You know, it's like, it's like if a quarterback fakes going out of bounds and comes back in, right. It was like, I'm not allowed to hit you. So you can't do that. You know? And it's like, sure, you can do that. But also next time I'm going to knock your head off every time you're going out of bounds because you've shown me that now I don't, I can't trust it. Anyway. So this is what Dennis Allen had to say, and I'm going to leave it. I, I una- did, left it unedited. I want you to hear the entire thing from start to finish because it's 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 honestly pretty remarkable. Uh, I, I, I've never heard anything like this <laughs> from a head coach. Game, that's not who we are. That's not how we operate. Uh, we should have taken a knee. So um, I want to apologize to them because, um, look, we're all like it, it, it's we got a good rivalry. Um, and, it, and it's a heated rivalry, um, but there's a way we go about doing our business, and I wasn't happy about that. So other than that, okay, I was happy about a lot of things that happened in the game. I didn't like the way the game started. We busted a couple coverages, gave up a couple of explosive plays, which can't happen. Um, and we made some adjustments, and then we played better from there on out. I thought our offense was awesome. Um, I think they, they, they did a great job moving the ball down the field. We were able to capitalize a lot in the red zone. Um, we were able to create some explosive plays. Um, I thought Kendra Miller played well. You know, I thought the receivers played well. A.T. Perry, I thought, did some good things in the game. Um, I thought Derek played well. So there's a lot of good things that happened in the game. Um, and, and I was proud of the way that our guys came out and responded, you know, really in a must-win situation. We should have taken a knee right there. Um, you know, they asked me about getting Jamal a touchdown at the end. Um, I said I wanted to take a knee. We put victory out there, and um, the guys kind of wanted to get him a touchdown, and they they did that on their own. That's not that's unacceptable. So Arthur's team pretty upset after. He should be. He should be. He should be. And that's what the on-field That's what it was. Is that the quarterback's responsibility? Look, I think it was. I think there was a lot of guys that wanted to get Jamal his touchdown. Um, and honestly, I'm not sure exactly what was going on behind that. But um, other than they wanted him to score a touchdown, so um, let's move on. Let's go to something else. You know, that's it's kind of wild. Um, you know, the interesting thing there is they were kind of debating whether they wanted to get Jamal a touchdown or Jimmy Graham a touchdown on the sideline, but. Once it got vetoed in terms of, no, we're going to take a knee, the only guy they could get the touchdown for was Jamal Williams because he's in the victory formation like lineup. Like Once they sent that out there, because here's the thing, they couldn't just line up and run a play. Like You can only go rogue in, in so many respects because <laughs> if he sees them just lining up to run a real play, he's going to call a timeout. They're like, what the hell are you guys doing? But they, so they had to run it that way. Um, and, you know, I just find it interesting. And, uh, you know, as as I think more and more about it, you know, it's it's frustrating because I wish DA had gone up there and handled it differently. One thing that Absolutely. DA is kind of remarkable about is like he'll say things. I'm like, why did you say that? You know, and he kind of just we gets emotional. To I be think. victory formation and take a knee, and it's like, what? What? Yeah, he gets he gets kind and of. Then he he gets kind- the players wanted to get Jamal a touchdown. We shouldn't have known that. When he gets kind of emotional about stuff and he's angry, he just use information out and it's like guy think about what you're saying and how you're going to come off he never does and you know i i do 
Uh, part of me wonders if maybe he was considering like, oh, if Arthur Smith's going to get fired. I want to hire him as our offensive line coach or something like that. Now he's never going to, he's not even going to pick up the phone when I call. So I, I wonder if that's part of it because everyone knew Arthur Smith was going to get fired and he did. But I, I do think it's interesting. And, you know, it really is a no-win situation there. Um, DA could have gone out and kind of played it differently and maybe lied and said, you know, they one way or another, he had to explain what happened. And, you know, if he went out there and kind of made it seem like he was on board with it and it was just a play and then it came out afterward that they freelanced on their own, that would have been worse. He went the route of honesty, which, you know, it's still bad because it's like, wow, your team's not running the plays you call. Let's let's right. talk about that. But man, well, what what was your kind of reaction when you when you kind of saw that for the first time? Uh, definitely didn't know what the hell was going. Well, well the situation uh, didn't understand. I was like, oh my god, they're really trying to rub it in here. When you go in victory formation, the other team is playing very lax. You're just going down, and they decide to do a little fu and get someone into the end zone for the score. It was a surprise, and then I was like, all right, you know what? Yeah, screw Atlanta. Uh, but then when you find out more and more what happened, no, I don't I don't like it one bit. You mentioned the fact that, number one, for me, you have the players not listening to your head coach. And the head coach then going and throwing his team under the bus. So it was like, bam, bam, two bad things, and they, two wrongs don't make a right. Obviously, we know that. But uh, just makes the Saints look horrible overall to me. Yeah, you know, and, and to me, the funny thing is, like, I look at it as, it, it was a perfect storm of getting to that point, right? What one you should be talking about Derek Carr throwing four touchdowns right now. Yes. Right. And that's another thing is like, I am, I'm annoyed that this is the only thing anyone's talking about. That's why I want to get it done with this segment and then not talk about it again, because I don't think it's going to be something we talk about for much longer after this, but we do have to address it. Anyway, it's a perfect storm of like Jamal Williams. First of all, they had a they had a first and goal at the one yard line earlier in the game, and he was going to get the carry and probably get his touchdown then. But they had a false start, right? So it goes back to the five. You throw the touchdown to At Perry, you know. So if you get the touchdown there, this is a non-issue. Tyron Matthew, if he doesn't go down at the one, he gets a touchdown instead. It's a non-issue because it's never going to come up, right? If Jamal Williams had just played well this season and hey, got into the end zone at literally you know? any point over the last eighteen weeks. Then this is a non-issue when we're not talking about it. Who the but hell is going to deserve a touchdown? Yes, that's where I'm going with this. <laughs> but because all of these things kind of came together and coalesced in this perfect storm of like, oh, and also you have alienated Jameis Winston to the point that he is perfectly fine defying his head coach's wishes, right? Derek Carr, if he's on the field, does not do that. Nope. And it's not because he doesn't want to get Jamal a touchdown. It's because he has something to lose. D- Jameis has nothing to lose in this scenario other than like DA is going to be mad at him. And maybe he'll, he'll be like, well, don't sign Jameis. But everyone's going to be like, yeah, screw you, DA. <laughs> you can't even control your own team. You're telling me to put on my team. Anyway, right. uh, that's neither here nor there. But Bobby Bear had a take. He had a take. And I actually, I, I to some extent, agree with it. Let's Let's hear it. Al Williams, listen, he didn't deserve that damn touchdown at the end. Or we want to give him a touchdown. Give him a touchdown for what? He averaged uh, 1.9 yards a carry. He had 14 carries, 26 yards. So we're going to give him a touchdown? I mean, uh, he can go to Comic-Con, Pokemon, and all that stuff. (laughs) I mean, Jamal Williams did not deserve a touchdown. I agree with Dennis Allen. Maybe I'm an old uh, curmudgeon, an old fart, and maybe these young people, oh. But you don't go get your head coach. I can tell you that right now, that never would happen in the past. No, you're kneeling down and you're, and you're going to do the right thing because you got to be respectful to the game. 
That's where as a coach or as a player, and Dennis Allen said the right thing. Uh, because when you look off the Smith, he goes, this is a bunch of BS. You're damn right it is. You do not do that. That's disrespectful to the game. Now, maybe some young people, uh, I don't know, millennials, Gen Z, whatever you, whatever, how you want to describe people, you do not give that touchdown to Jamal Williams. How has Jamal Williams deserved that touchdown? He led the NFL last year in touchdowns. So are you going to throw him a garbage touchdown? How about you score before that? And he only averaged like uh, two yards a carry. Come on, that, 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 that's bogus. That, that, that's Bush League. I think uh, Hudats don't care, though, because it was against the Falcons. Well, it doesn't matter who you play. You got to respect the game. You, you got to respect the game, and that's why uh, I don't know. Uh, I guarantee you. Back in the day, if the coach told you kneel down, then you kneel down. You don't go against the head coach. Now you might say, "Well, is Dennis Allen can he control?" Uh, you know, you always say, "Can you uh, control the asylum or whatever or what's happening?" Uh, no, no, that that that's not right. I disagree with like the, the, you know, in terms of like, oh, I don't need to yell at a cloud and say, you can't do this, you can't do that. But I do agree in the sense that like, what is Jamal Williams suddenly a charity case? Like, this is the only way we could get, like, does he want, like, why would he want right. that? That's, Enjoy your that's trick play, victory formation, touchdown. Ooh. Yeah. Like, does that make you feel better about your season? I, I don't know. Like, I feel like I, I know it's the teammates standing up for, for, you know, like putting up for their own teammate and like wanting to do something nice, but it is strange. And, and but it is, I also find it funny. Like I'm going to read you a Jimmy Graham tweet here that just yeah. came out a couple minutes ago, you know, All and the like players definitely in support of this. There's no one coming out against it. No, no. And, and also, and also, uh, like in terms of everyone supporting Jameis, like as a teammate. And I think that's yeah. an important thing to do because like, he's the one taking the majority of the flack for it. And, you know, as he should be just because, you know, yes, this was a team decision, but you know, 99 out of a hundred times, if 10 people, 10 people in the huddle can say like, Oh, we want to run this play. But all the quarterback has to do is say, no, put his, puts his knee on the ground done. And it's like just something you talk about on talk shows in a couple of years. Right. This is a funny anecdote. Instead it's this whole thing, but you know, this is what uh, Jimmy Graham said. And I think we can put it to bed with this uh, in terms yeah. of, yeah, this is exactly, you know, how it plays out. He says, get off J- Jameis Winston's back. This man is the best teammate I've ever had. Loves this city, this game and embodies everything you can ask for in a leader was a rare situation. And we all take responsibility. Nobody thought it would get blown out of proportion. Also fuck the Falcons. <laughs> and I think we can at least all agree with that last statement from Jimmy's that that is a good way to close it, man. Because yeah, yeah. talking about this, like I said, I just think overall, for me, it's a bad look for the entire team, players and coaches. Yeah, and I think you know one thing that the players probably didn't didn't anticipate and probably didn't think through quite enough was that this was going to become the story, instead of the fact that they put on this incredible performance, forty eight to seventeen, and won the game. And I know you know Foster talked about that. Eric talked about that a little bit. Eric McCoy, and one thing that they Eric McCoy made clear that Jameis made clear that that everyone kind of made clear was this wasn't them kind of thumbing their nose at the head coach. It might seem that way. And you might be able to say, well, it doesn't matter if they were doing it intentionally, they did it and it doesn't matter. That's what they did, but that wasn't their intention. Their intention was to get Jamal Williams in the end zone because he's a great teammate and they all love him. And so we like, we can wrap it up on that. And you can say like, I know there's a lot of people saying, well, fire the coach, fire the coach because this is unacceptable. 
I, I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think that's going to enter the equation. I don't think you're going to change your opinion because of this. But I do think it forces you to ask some questions. Um, Why couldn't I, we get Adam Prentice into the end zone too? Prentice. <laughs> um, you know, they already got him as redemption arc in Tampa. They don't need to do it again. But, you know, I, I think it's, it's definitely uh, an indicator that Jameis Winston doesn't expect to be back, right? And is as he shouldn't. He got he got you know kind of screwed over last year. The fact that he came back at all was kind of remarkable. I'm sure he'll be able to find a backup job somewhere and maybe compete for a starting job. Um, It'll be funny but, if he goes like to Atlanta or Carolina, something like that. Obviously, yeah, we'll see. But that's the <laughs> end of that. Anything else you want to add before we move on to something that actually matters? No, I can't wait to celebrate tonight uh, with my glass of bourbon to Jamal Williams. One rushing touchdown in 2023. Woohoo! It was all worth it. Yeah. All right. This is Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. We're going to come back with, you know, the highs and lows, what worked, what didn't, stock up, stock down, whatever you want to call it. I've called it just about everything. Uh, and the final segment's going to be a mailbag, so make sure to get your questions, comments in there, and we will get to them. But again, at Jeff Nowak on Twitter, at Steve Geller WWL. We made it. It's the end of the season, baby. Dennis Allen talked for 47 minutes today. <laughs> what? Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll get into more when we there come back. There must be tons of changes coming. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned. And we're back on Inside Black and Gold. I'm Jeff Nowak. He's Steve Geller. We're going to actually talk about the football game now. And and again, I, I need to emphasize, like, I didn't want to spend that whole first segment talking about that play, but it, you, we had to. It had to happen because you can't ignore it. And the, I, I assure you the front office won't ignore it, but you also should not take away from the fact that you went out in a game you had to win and in a game that the Falcons should have felt the same way. Like we can say, you know, the Panthers didn't get the job done, which they obviously didn't. The Packers won and that eliminated all playoff hopes for the Saints. But, you know, that's not, you, you weren't playing with that in mind. You were playing with the idea that if you won this game, you would give yourself a chance. And the Falcons were doing the same thing. And the Falcons played in such a way that it got their coach fired. That, that, Arthur Smith, I don't even know, like that's not a long flight back to Atlanta. But I don't know if he had gotten two feet off the plane before he was like accosted with the information that he was going to get fired. Because it came out quick. Um, and I do wonder if the, you know, because I, I have a feeling he gets fired either way. But I think there's more of a discussion if it's not 48-17. If you didn't lose by 30. And that that leads me into, you know, one of the things that went right was uh, was the Saints listened to my request and and delivered and this is from uh this is from first take before the game definitely feeling positive about obviously the saints chances against this falcon squad i think they can take care of business here i want a statement win man i want a statement win i don't want just a win i don't want to eke this out i want to beat them by 30 all right so you're looking for a step on their necks yes and twist kind of deal yes it's about time you know you're at home that team should feel miserable about what they've been able to do the last four weeks they should be a shell of themselves go out there (laughs) and and beat them to a pulp 
do it. The only bad thing is if you do that, there's a good chance Arthur Smith does get canned, and then well, who knows what. I know there's rumors about Bill Belichick. I don't care. Uh, Harbaugh. I don't care. I'm, you, they can bring in whatever coach they want. I'm going to say you had the Saints beat you so bad, you had to change coaches. <laughs> you couldn't even save face. That's a, Again, I'm going about this in a positive way. Um, I thought I want to see, man. I want to see it. Breaking we news. Did. Breaking news. Jameis Winston actually got the touchdown for Jeff. How about yeah. that? Yes. Yeah. Most of you didn't realize that. You thought they were getting in for Jamal, but they heard me in the pregame. And they're like, oh, no, we're only up by 24. We need more. And they did. You know, it, it was funny. 30, uh, man, we're going to fulfill it. I actually like right before that interception by Tyree and I had looked over to Tyler, the our, the spotter. Um, and I was like, ah, oh, man, I wanted a 30 point when they're only going to get 24. I'll take it, though. And then it's like almost on cue. They're like, oh, no, 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 they're going to get it. Right. And then I thought, oh, man, we're not going to get it because they're taking a knee. And then, oh, look at that. They got it. Anyway. Um, so, I mean, but like 48 points, right? Remember early in the season when we were talking about how long it's been since they scored 20? Right. We couldn't fathom 48 points. Christ. Yeah. And so, you know what? Uh, everyone, I-, I think it's important. If you're going to be critical of someone and they come out and deliver, you should acknowledge it. Right. The and, run, and, like, game, I get the run it. game. Hallelujah. Hey, you know, someone commented like, well, Jamal Williams hasn't been bad. Look at the offensive line he was running behind. And I responded to that with, hey, did you see Kendra Miller running behind the same offensive line? Like, Jamal looks like he's running in slow motion. And I don't know, maybe the hamstring injury just kind of sapped him. Like, he didn't ever really get back to what what he wanted to be. And I think that's possible, right? Hamstring injuries are pain. He, he Maybe he got out of shape and he was never able to really get back to where he, he felt like, you know, he was at the beginning of the season. But... Either way, you know, this offense, what happened, particularly Derek Carr over the last month of the season. And I can't stress enough, this is not like this is not like a couple games. This is not like, you know, two quarters and then two quarters. This is four games. This is 16 quarters of football. And you're looking at it and saying, holy hell, this is remarkable. So his last four games, 96 of 128, that's a 75% completion percentage. Right. Completed over four games. He completed 75% of his passes, just shy of 1,000 yards, 12 touchdowns, one interception. And in three of those games, you won by double digits. The other one was in L.A. You know, obviously, that was not ideal for anybody, but I do think, you know, the defense was the biggest culprit in terms of, you know, you, you just allowed them to go down the field whenever, you know, and, and the, the offense didn't do enough to keep up in a shootout, but that had to be a shootout because of the way the defense was playing. Right. It wasn't and so compared to this team at all, we talked about it too, obviously a short week out West. It's just an unfair advantage right off the bat. And this team was struggling with shit as it was, you know, so just adding that to the mix didn't make it any easier. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, I think it's, it's easy to look past it and say, okay, it was the final four games and whatever, who look at the opponents, but these were decent defense. Like these weren't, Defenses that got, you know, just run over all year. You know, the Falcons and Bucks have been two of the better defenses in the NFL. The Giants have been a, a good defense in terms of forcing turnovers. So like they forced like 12 turnovers in like the three games prior to facing the Saints. They didn't get one. Um, and so, you know, you look at it and you say, yeah, this offensive line was not elite by any stretch, but they they got better as the season went on. Derek got healthier, he started playing better. And I think you look at it and say, this is the core, right? This you're not changing quarterbacks. The, the receivers you had at the end of the season, I would expect are the receivers you're going into next year with maybe an addition here or there. 
I don't think you're going to get bring Mike Thomas back. I don't know how you kind of navigate that, but it's just I think it's time to to kind of kickstart the next generation. And we've seen over the last month that that can happen. Um, but you know, we talk about what went right. Derek and this offense kind of finding a rhythm a little bit too late, but it's not, you know, and, and I asked a couple of people this cause I, you know, I've never played in the NFL. I don't know how you carry things over from season to season, <laughs> but you know, I, I think Peyton Turner talked about this on the defensive side. And I think it's true on the offensive side too. It's like, you know, you, you, you don't just pick up where you left off every season. You're kind of starting fresh to an extent, but it's not completely fresh. Like you add new, some new pieces, you change some things, maybe a new coach here or there, but there is some form, some level of continuity that you bring from one season to the next. The rapport that Derek was able to create as the season went on with Chris Olave, that's not going away. The comfortability he was able to build with A.T. Perry, you know, that's only going to keep building. Um, you know, understanding how to use Rashid Shahid, hit him over the top, uh, that's not going away, right? Kendra Miller, a guy who, you know, I think was getting a lot of grief probably unfairly in terms of like, he didn't want to be hurt either. But like I, what I would say to people is like, when you've seen him get opportunities, he's flashed. Right. And you saw him have a great game. You know, he got it through that injury to some extent. He was sick all week, but I mean, the burst he showed in the run game feel makes you feel really good about like, okay, this core, this young core group of skill players that includes Jawan Johnson. Like again, another example, like those are things you can build on, whether you make changes on the coaching staff or whatever, their chemistry is what I'm the most encouraged about in terms of how you can come back next season and, and maybe not pick up where you left off, but start, you know, I don't think it's like you're, you're starting up here, but wherever you started this year is probably closer to here. You know, you can't really see this, but like, you understand what I'm saying? Like you're not starting from where you were. You're starting from about halfway up the ladder. And then hopefully it takes you a lot less time to get to the top of the ladder. Right. Um, and so to me, it's like, you're talking about stock up. Uh, my stock is up in the offense significantly from where I was, you know, maybe six weeks ago. There was also, it's like, holy, holy crap. They, they finally, they're using Taysom right again. They used them early. Um, run game receiving was a big contributor and a, a big part of this game, obviously. Yeah. And you didn't have Alvin either. You know, that's why like you right. look at that and you say, you know, who are, the, who are the Saints stars? Like if you went into the season and said like, name the top three stars on this team you would have said Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore. Some people might have said Chris Olave, but I, I think like just in, offense there. Yeah, I mean, just in terms of recognition, right? You could, uh, but you didn't have any of those players and you put on the performance you did. <laughs> right, no, man, um, exactly. And I think like you're talking about these, this old roster. They have one of the oldest rosters. Well, that's kind of the aging core that you're really looking at is, is Mike Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore, Chris Olave. I'm sorry, not Chris Olave, Alvin Kamara. And and instead you saw these young players go out and make plays, so you know that's where that's where I look at it. And yeah, I, I I just think there's a lot to be frustrated about, and you're not in the playoffs, and and I get it. But you know you're talking about what went well. Yeah, yeah I mean we, you talked about it. Obviously, Derek Carr's performance. Who was the touchdown to that he just dropped it in perfectly? It was like this. It was a beautiful, you know, right in the bucket kind of play. Well, he had a touchdown to he had two touchdowns to AT Perry, and then he had that one to Chris Olave, which was this insane bobbling right. catch. And then he had one to Rashid Shahid that he went over the top, and Rashid went up and got it. Um, they were all they were all really nice, really nice plays by the receivers. Yeah, I just yeah. Uh, was it was great to obviously go car comfortable uh, the offensive line for doing their job, and yeah, he was just efficient. You look at what was it twenty two of twenty eight, if I ever remember. Yeah, I think it was 22 to 28. 
And and I mean, like it's and it's not just Carr. It's also like these playmakers that are making plays. Like, right. I don't I don't need Carr to be a superstar. I don't need Jim. I don't need Derek Carr to be Pat Mahomes. But I do need him to be able to get the ball to his playmakers. Right. And mm-hmm. and in like the last two weeks, I've been impressed with his poise in very compressed situations too. Right. Uh, the last two weeks, he's gotten the ball at the one yard line and uh, on third down with you know in his own end zone. He went over the top to A.T. Perry and Jawan Johnson to get out from the shadow of his own goalposts. And like that's I think that's a sign of a confident offense, right? Like if you don't trust your line to block, if you don't trust your quarterback to to make the right throw, if you don't trust your receivers to get open, you don't call that play. You run. Um, and so so it's not just Derek, it's also Chris Olave. You know, he's just kind of edging his way up the superstar ladder. You know, I think he's like right on the fringe where like people are going to really start talking about him in the top top echelon of receivers pretty soon. Um, like Rashid Shaheed, elite deep threat, A.T. Perry, elite size, you know, jump ball guys getting more and more confident. So to me, that's the, those those are the stock up players. Uh, yeah, to me, too, part. you could tell Chris was kind of hurting at the end of the year, but he gutted through it with that ankle issue, man. Yeah, I thought, thought he looked better in this game. Uh, but yeah, the, the definitely. And uh, I've been really impressed with him over the how he how he kind of bounced back after that rough stretch. Um, a right. couple other guys yeah. that are worth mentioning. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. It's like, it's exactly. It's like, you love to see that when guys don't, you know, cower, they rise to the occasion instead, you know, and fight for it. And definitely Chris is one of those guys. Yeah. You know, another, another couple of guys that are worth just noting. So Tyron Matthew is not just a veteran, a leader, whatever. He, he might be the most durable player in the NFL, right? <laughs> he played all 17 games last season. He was one of uh, just a handful of players to do that. This season, he not only played all 17 games, it, he missed 10 snaps all season. 10. That's less than one a game. <laughs> That's insane. Um, he's 30, what, 32 years old? 33? I mean... You yeah, know, and he's 32. he led the he led, and it's not like he's not like making take getting contact. He led the team in solo tackles last year, so you know just the ability to just say like you, you know a consistency availability is so important in just knowing what to expect from a guy. And when you consider like Marcus May has just been the most inconsistent, unavailable guy for whatever reason, whether he's suspended, whether he's hurt. And in the other side, you have Tyron, who is the exact opposite, uh, and I think he just deserves a lot of credit for that. No, like you said, uh, the, one of the Saints Iron Men there, that he's just of that same ilk of like a Cam Jordan DeMario. They want to be out there. They love to play this game. And just the respect he commands from every single player too because what he's done, everybody knows that he's he's been at the top and still like brings it every single time out there as well. I I, I love the... What you get from him as the player and as a vocal leader as well, obviously. The Saints have a lot of strong voices in that locker room, no matter what people think. I agree. You know, a couple others that are kind of more honorable mentions than anything else. Uh, Blake Groupie, you know, he made his final seven field goals of the season. He went 40 for 40 on on, uh, extra point attempts this year, which is, you know, it's funny because one of the biggest gripes I have is he was only 10 of 12 from 20 to 29. It's just funny because... He was 40 of 40 from 33, which is how long the extra points are. So clearly, it's not really, you know, and, and you look at that and you say, well, that's frustrating. You can't do that. But I look at it and say, well, clearly something went wrong on those two kicks. Exactly. So, Amen. Right. 
you know, and, and so you look at, you know, maybe there was something wrong with the operation, whatever, like you don't miss 27 yard kicks because you're bad. You miss those kicks because something went wrong. And so I'm not going to overvalue those misses. And because when you take them out, you're talking about six for six from 30 to 39, eight for 10 from 40 to 49. I'd love for that to be 10 of 10, but you know, the, you obviously had a couple tough misses. Um, and then six for nine from 50 to 59. Like that's about what you would hope for. That's pretty elite in terms of you're not going to make every 50 plus yard kick, but if you're hitting 70%, you know, that's a, it's a pretty good number. Um, so 30 for 37 on the year, that's 81%. Again, you'd love that to be a little higher, but as we mentioned, the 20 to 29 kicks are kind of an aberration. Um, and uh, when you look at a rookie kicker and you say, this is probably yeah. the point that you'd expect the most inconsistency, right? The, in, it, like I, I look at that and I don't say like, well, I wish he was better. I say he's going to get better, right? That's the idea. You're a rookie. So you would hope that as you go forward, you get a little bit more consistent. You eliminate some of the mistakes. And, you know, if that's your baseline, I'm really happy about it. You know, he set a new rookie record for kicks made in a season. Uh, breaking Will Lutz. I think he has 30 total. Yeah, I just said he had 30, 30 or 37. So, you know, I I think he, you know, he and Lou Headley both kind of went through those uh, rough stretches early in their rookie seasons. And I think they both bounced back. And I think you feel, you know, obviously, like I would have been fine if they kept Will. I still would be fine if they kept Will. But I don't think that, you know, there was a lot, a lot of criticism being thrown at Blake Groupie. A lot of people saying, cut him, find anybody else. Robbie Gold sitting on the couch. I'd rather see him in there. I don't know. I think he bounced back pretty well in the end. No, like you said, both undrafted special teamers, man. I I was worried definitely going into the season with that. And, you know, we talked, you talked about, yeah, Uh, you talk about groupie too, but like Headley, it really stands out when you're at the game. Man, those punts are ugly, but they are effective. Yeah, I, you know, I think he he got a little better as the season went on too, right? And, right. and that's the thing. You're talking about rookie kickers. You're gonna. You're, the idea is they're gonna get better. And so, yeah, like the the legs never gonna blow you away. But again, I think he had the you know third or fourth fewest return yards, and you know the other guys that you're comparing him to kicked like 15 times fewer than he did. So like that's if that's your goal, if your goal is to eliminate returns from the game. He did that as well as anybody in the NFL. Now, obviously, you'd love to be able to flip the field. You'd love to be able to, you know, do a couple other things. But he also, you know, what did he have? 32 kicks inside the 20, maybe 31. Like, you know, like he had one really nice kick that was, you know, fielded at the six. And why do you field a kick at the six? Well, because it's kicked in such a way that the coverage is there and it's not going to bounce forward because there's just kind of that magician ability to, to to control where the ball's going to bounce that you know we talked to I can't remember who I talked to to oh Peyton Turner he was talking about how his college kicker uh was was Australian and he was like yeah every <laughs> it seems like every kicker you meet beyond the high school level is Australian <laughs> cuz it's just that they just do it there they just do it better um so yeah the specialists i think despite a lot of grief early in the year For sure. you're going to go into next season you're going to feel a little better about it yeah, that was like I said, that was definitely one you're like, I don't know. Like, I can't believe you're gonna go in with a rookie undrafted punter and a rookie undrafted kicker. What could go wrong? And they didn't they they weren't an eyesore of the team, they weren't a sore spot. Yeah, you know, like you said, you you got cost the game maybe uh in Green Bay, but that wasn't just groupie's fault either. No, I mean it, the game should have never come down to that kick. Um right. 
But, you know, one thing interesting from that game that DA said today, I'm just going to mention it because so there was a punt in that game. They punted from, I think, the 39 yard line rather than go for like a 56 yard, 57 yard kick. And he said today like that decision. And I was I, I remember being very critical of that at the time. And he said that the you know, the results of that decision uh, stuck with him. And one of the reasons he was so aggressive later in the year, like, for example, in L.A., um, which right. which you know, people were critical of, is that, you know, he kind of saw how that went and he just felt like that was not the right approach. And so they changed his approach. And, you know, I tweeted that some people were like, oh, he's, you know, he's, we're going to pretend that's a good thing. I'm like, I, I you know, I, I can be critical of coaches. I can be critical of DA for a lot of things. Not being too stubborn to change strategies is not something I'm going to be critical of. Um, I just thought it was interesting because you did see that play out, right? Like you did see yeah. him uh, go for it in, in situations a lot more frequently and be a little more aggressive in like fourth and two uh, or fourth and inches. And, and, you know, when it fourth and five, even in the Rams game. Uh, and when it doesn't work, you know, you open yourself up for a lot of criticism. When your whole game, for example, Dan Campbell is going for two and you don't get it and you lose because of it, everyone's going to be critical of it. But, you know, that's if you have a philosophy and you uh, you believe in it, I think you should stick with it. I think you should never kick a field goal inside the five-yard line. That's one of my philosophies. If you are inside the five-yard line, I don't care. I don't think you should ever kick. I think you should always go for it because three points is like giving up four, right? <laughs> you in that Sean Payton school philosophy there. Well, I mean, like, think about it. Like, worst case scenario, you don't get it, and they have to start a drive at their own two, right? Like, right. to me, that's a will take that trade off every time when the alternative is three instead of seven, right? And it's like, I trust my defense. Anyway, so that's... Right, that's, right. But I, I thought that was interesting. Shout out to DA's first winning season as a head coach. Yeah, I mean, everyone uh-huh. hates him. Right. Uh, and I understand why. But yeah, I mean, that's... You know, I... I don't hate him as a person. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I think that's where I get frustrated is like, God, people are so aggressive. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. geez, he's not like, you know, like like stealing your 401k. He's, you know, he's just coaching a football team here. And we're talking like, you know, he should, you know, jump off a building. It's kind of it's kind of aggressive. Uh, but anyway, football you know football is life, brother. Fo- football is life. Football yeah. is death. Um <laughs> You know, okay, so one more from me uh, in terms of the what went right. And I have a couple notes on what didn't go right. Demario Davis, I think we should do an investigation to see if he has Benjamin Button disease. Because I don't know if he's getting better, but he's definitely not getting worse. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, I don't feel like there's a drop-off from Demario at all. Um, you know, at least not in the last several years, like maybe from like 2017, which was like, you know, peak, like that's, that's, you know, um, but you know, you look at it and you, so I don't know, like the New Orleans football did a really good feature. Brooke Kirchhofer kind of went behind the scenes with DeMario and talked about his like recovery routine and all the cupping and, and all the crazy stuff he does. And uh, clearly it's working right. And, uh, you know, he, he said that his goal is to play for two years after LeBron retires. Whoa. Which, like LeBron's not going to retire anytime soon. So like maybe two years, maybe three years from now, LeBron retires. And then D- DeMario intends to play multiple years beyond that. That's his Man. goal. So if you're, if your thought is like, maybe he retires this season. Well, unless something happens, like maybe he has an injury or something that forces him to retire. 
he's has no plans to retire and he shouldn't because he's still very, very good. There was a play in that game, you know, when the school were, but this game wasn't always a blowout. It was 17 to 17 at halftime and the Falcons got the ball with a chance to go up. Right. Right. The first play of the second half, they run a throwback screen. Everyone is fooled except for DeMario. And if he, if he doesn't make a tackle, if he misses a tackle, that's a 20, 30 yard gain. Maybe, maybe Tyler Agile makes somebody miss and right. goes for w- however many yards. You've already let up two chunk plays in that game. So it's not exactly like you're unsus- insusceptible to that. He tracks it down. He makes the tackle for a loss. Two plays later, Desmond Ritter throws it right into Alante Taylor's chest. And I think that was the end of the game. I think that that was the moment that the Saints won that game in terms of they, the Falcons didn't score in the second half. Right. <laughs> you know? Um, and so, you know, yeah, DeMario you took Davis, the strength away from them. They couldn't run the ball anymore. Right. DeMario <laughs> Davis might be eternal or, be, or aging backwards. Either I way. Cam was that way. Unfortunately, he's not. Right. Cam dealt with a lot of injuries this year. He did. He played in all 17 games, which is actually kind of crazy. You know, he was dealing with an ankle, uh, an ankle injury, a high ankle sprain that he compounded with a low ankle sprain, which he said he didn't even realize was possible. He had a, he had like a bulging disc in his neck that he dealt with all year. I think he did appear on the injury report with a shoulder issue at one point. But yeah, these guys deal with everything on, under the sun. And a lot of times you don't know about it. Um, but DeMario had that knee injury midseason that, you know, was a miracle recovery. <laughs> Doctors gave him 0% chance to play and he did. But yes. So that's my that's my last thing. Do you have any any positives you want to point and any other positives before we go to the negatives? Uh, we talked about Kendra Miller, obviously, right? Uh, and yes. I, I just thought that was, you know, uh, great to see. And it was like he had his flu game for this team. And I know that dude is not lacking any confidence at all. I love hearing him speak. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, I've gotten into it with a few people who were just like, Kendra's a bust. Kendra's a bust. And I'm like, no, man. He's hurt. You know, I, I, I'd love to be able to say, like, you know, this isn't going to work out because of this and that. He's hurt, you know, like, and, and I think you, he showed in that game why, you know, they, they liked him, right? Like it's, you know, you can't project health in that way. Uh, but, you know, the, the running backs on this team have two total plays of 30 plus yards or more, two all season. He's got both of them, right? You, that run in that game, that toss, that was all him. Like that play was dead. And not only did he make Jesse Bates miss, which is not exactly an easy thing to do in the hole, he then took on like four defenders and scored anyway. You know, I just think like, you, you know, you, you, you're you looking for reasons to appreciate the youth on this team. And, and I think just the, the burst he had in that game where he wasn't 100% anyway. Like, you know, I, I think that going into next season, you feel a lot better about that. I, I got to give a little to Elante Taylor, even though he got benched again. But man, to have that fortitude about yourself, he, he came back and still made a play. He did. He did. I almost think like the switch messed with Desmond Ritter. I think (laughs) no, because he was playing inside and then he got benched for the second time in three games. And then he came back in on the outside. I almost think that that kind of threw off like Desmond thought he was going to do one thing and instead he did something else because he was playing a different position. Hmm, position Taylor on the outside. Mm, Wild. I'm going to talk about that. But first, (laughs) one more thing before we before we move on. You know, it's not really a stock up or anything because I still have all the same concerns I had about him going into the game. But I just, you know, Peyton Turner, he worked all the way back. He played in this game. He had a couple QB pressures. He jumped on a fumble. He didn't get hurt. <laughs> Great, bravo. 
the Saints went 2-0 and in game Peyton Turner played this year. <laughs> wow. Week one, week 18, baby. I, I talked to him in the locker room today, and I was like, it's kind of weird to just bookend a season like that. And they're like, oh, yeah, I mean, that's how you draw it up. Uh, you know, and the funny thing is, like, I think, like, you don't really get exposed to Peyton that much because he's never on the field, but he's a really, like, a, I enjoy talking to him. Like, he's a really uh, enjoyable person to be around. Okay. <laughs> and so you root for him. Like, I root for him. And maybe that's kind of skewed my perception of it a little bit, but I, I'm still rooting for him. You know, oh, I, like, I... <laughs> and I think he's talented. Like, I think he's talented when he can get on the field. He just has not been able to get on the field. And, you know, you could say he's a bust. He probably is. Like, I think that's what would qualify as a bust when you're a first-round pick and you played 14, 15 games in three years. But Well, unfortunately, Trevor Penning's coming up his rear for that spot. No, we'll talk. That's a whole other topic for a whole other day. <laughs> I actually talked to D. I, I talked to a couple people about that today, but that's a. I want to get into that in, in a later episode. This is about the things that happened. But, yeah, a couple things that went wrong. Slot Lante Taylor. Yeah. He, he got benched for the second time in three games. The experiment is over. Yes. Stop it. Stop it. I do not want to hear one more thing about Alante Taylor being a slot cornerback. Stop doing it. Now, one of the reasons, and I've said this, and I'm going to keep saying it, I think you trade Marshawn Lattimore, is because I really like Alante Taylor. I think he is very talented. I think he has a great future. And I also like Paulson Adebo. And I think you want to open up a, a lane for Alante Taylor to start. And if you're able to get some assets uh, in the process in terms of trading Marshawn after June 1st, when he will not count against you, they have put an option bonus on his contract that won't kick in until the week before the regular season. And that is tradable. So that kind of leaves you open, you know, and, and if you, and if it doesn't work out and you want to bring him back or if it does work out, I don't know. And, and you want to bring him back fine. But I just I do not think Alante Taylor is a slot cornerback. He's played terribly in the slot. I think you risk ruining his confidence. Now, all that said, I think it's useful for like I think in the long run, this season will end up benefiting him because the ability to bump inside and play the slot in a pinch is a, is a very useful skill. I don't want to see him be the starting slot cornerback, but like for example, next year you have somebody else in there, they get hurt. In the middle of a game, what do you do? Well, you know, Alante can bump in. So, like, I think in the long run, he will look back and say, this was a good thing for me. But I don't think he is a slot cornerback. It did not go. I mean, that 71-yard touchdown to, to B. John Robinson was Ugh. all Alante. He did not bump. He, you know, he needed to expand and, and, and cover the running back on the swing route. And he just, he was too slow. He got kind of, I think he maybe got screened off of it. The tight end was coming through on a rub route. And he just kind of, died on it like he didn't he didn't work around it and i think he just kind of lost track of Bijan or underestimated how fast he is and you know he tried to undercut the ball but that wasn't the plan that was the last resort he was out of position and he got benched rightfully so you know even that one to scotty miller i think he was involved on that and maybe took a bad angle but you so know both like chunk plays huh yes so like my, my stock isn't down on alante taylor specifically my stock is down on slot Lonte taylor Right, totally. I'm with you for sure. They got. And like, I do not experiment over no more, please. And if we go into next season, next training camp, and I hear about how he is back in the slot, like as a starter, as the starting slot corner, I will, I, I, I will never stop asking Da about it. <laughs> like I'll be like, well, hey, why, hey, why do you have him back in that position? <laughs> right, it's it just can't work. It just cannot. It cannot be the plan. Um. You know, we talked about the the Jamal Williams stuff in the first segment. That's on my list in terms okay. of kind of the grip on the locker room and like how right. I start to question that. 
but so we won't go into it again. Thank you. Bully ball, right? Uh, Jamal Williams was terrible this year. He was terrible in this game. I don't know what you do next year. I think you probably bring him back, at least for camp. I think he might get cut in camp if he plays like he did this year. Like if he shows like he did this year, I don't think he makes the roster. See, I don't know where it all went wrong because I didn't feel like we ever saw him in camp and went, oh, man, this guy looks like he might have lost this step. I mean, granted, we haven't seen him playing, but we were. I I remember everyone excited about the running backs going into this season. It just it didn't pan out. Obviously, injury had a lot to do with it for some guys. It's tough because you don't really see football in training camp. So right. it's tough to gauge athleticism. It's um, you don't you don't see full contact in the I, I, and again I like I think there's a chance you look back and you say that hamstring injury really affected him and maybe you get into camp next year and he and he has that burst back and he looks like a different right. guy. But like like if if the player I saw on Sunday is the player that shows up at training camp, uh, he's not making my 53 man roster um, because he as a post June one cut you'll he won't cost you any money if you cut him. Pre-June 1, it'll cost you about a million dollars. There's no incentive to cut him early. I think right. he's going to be on the camp roster. But again, like I don't know if he makes it. Um, and so that's been rough. My, my, other, my other stock down, Arthur Smith. I usually save this for the, for the Saints coaches and players. I mean, come on, dude. You're going to throw a temper tantrum? Get out of here. Get out of here. Grow up. Play defense. Get out of here. Yeah, see... I understand his anger because who the hell does that on victory formation? He's mad because he's going to get fired and he's just, he's looking for an outlet, but like, get over it. I hear you. Go, go home, Arthur. Don't give me your shit. In the end though, fuck the Falcons. So, yeah, that's all it comes down yourself to anyway. back to Atlanta. Like Jimmy said. And FedEx, um, and your FedEx fortune. Like you said, uh, though, what happens all of a sudden? DA is like, well, our new offensive line coach, we're, we, we're very familiar with him. Speaking of coaches, uh, there's a report out from Jeff Duncan that the Saints are considering John Gruden. Um, but Mike Triplett just tweeted that it was more of just a friendly dinner. So who, who the hell knows? I don't know. It, that's another topic for another day. But, you know, I was going to say that makes me think about, wow, the Baltimore Ravens honoring Ray Rice. <laughs> Thanks. All right, let's uh, let's wrap up that thing. We'll come back and do a mailbag. So if you have any comments, questions you haven't gotten in there, please do it. Uh, but there's a lot, so we'll do what we can. Uh, but all right, this is Inside Black and Gold. Thanks everyone for listening. Everyone who's been hanging out, dropped in a comment, dropped in a question. Appreciate it. I'm Jeff Noack. He is Steve Geller. We will be right back. Inside black and gold, and this will be our live mailbag segment. And uh, there's a lot, it's a lot, it's a lot going on. There's a, a lot going on in there. We'll start. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's so much to talk about in the mailbag. Yes. What, what could is. be on Saints fans' minds right now? <laughs> <laughs> Pammy Whammy, she got a lot going on. She says, That's right. We don't care about hurting the Falcons' feelings. And I, I, identify with this like again that is one of my biggest frustrations about the whole the whole da thing and the and the this is not who we are comment specifically he's like this is exactly who we are what are you talking about this is not who we are being petty against the falcons is like an entire identity 
Like, I remember going to that building and remember when they blew up the Georgia Dome and the bus parked in front of the camera and then the Falcons came in and they were doing their, they're running into the stadium and on the video board, they, they had a bus go in front of it, right? Like the Saints trolled them so bad in an us versus them segment that Arthur Blank complained to the NFL. <laughs> when you go to, if you go to Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, you know what Visitor. it says on the scoreboard? Right visitors like this is the deal and again like and 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 what frustrates me is like it's the best example of how sean and da are different because sean understood that sean understood that he could have played the villain in that scenario and everyone would have eaten it up right and and da just won't do that you know and it's it's funny because he kind of comes off as this hard ass but at the end of the day he's not that no, at this point, I almost wish that when when Winston went to him and said, we want to get this touchdown for Jamal, he was like, you know what? You know what? Screw it. Let's do it. Yeah. And it just would have bonded. It would have been more of a bonding thing. Exactly. And like, I don't think the Falcons would have complained or at least, you know, Arthur Smith might have complained. Right. But at the end of the day, the 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 actual valid basis for their complaint is that you did it out of the victory formation. And the reason you did it out of the victory formation was because DA wouldn't do it. And the f- players had to do it unilaterally. Like they had to, not unilaterally because it was everybody, but um, that's not what that word means. But like the <laughs> players had to do it independently of the head coach, right? And because of that, that's why it's this whole thing. But all you needed was DA to understand, no, this is the Falcons. We're not taking a knee at the one. Right. We're going in. We're doing what Sean did to the to the to the Eagles, right? When he went on fourth and seven and and drew through a dime to Alvin Kamara to go up like thirty five instead of 30, 38, right? Like, like that's what I want to see. In the and it's like I and and I wish Da understood that. I really do. I wish he understood that, but he doesn't. And it's not a fireable offense, right? I see people saying, "Yo, oh, they fire him." Like, but it is like just a, such a good indicator of why the fan base feels so disconnected from the team, right? Like Sean turned the fan base into a superpower. Dennis Allen does not understand how to tap into that. And at a certain point, winning is enough. Like winning will get people behind you. But, you know, 2021, it was not this this battle the whole way like it was this year. And you finished with the same record. You did basically the same thing. You had a five-game losing streak in that season, right? Like, and you finished with, I think, wins in four of your final five games, got to nine and eight, missed the playoffs. But did it feel like this? Yeah, poor poor DA can't do anything right for this squad. It it's poor guy. I don't and just like I said, that post game really had my jaw drop just because I couldn't believe what he was saying to us. Just be yes. quiet. Francisco Pomar says, fire Dennis Allen, biggest wussy in the NFL. So embarrassing. You went know, from is... a seven-win team to a nine-win team. Sorry, he's not going anywhere. No, and I, and I mean, like, I think you earned he earned another season. Like, as as frustrating as that might be for some people, he did. Whatever, right? No, not everybody earned another season. And I want to talk about, like I said, I want to talk about Trevor Penning in this next episode. And I, you know, I talked to James Hurst yeah. and 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 Da about it. And you know, uh, one guy who I think. You know, with a lot of people are saying this guy's going to get fired. This guy, you're going to move on. And a lot of instances, I'm like, yeah, let's pump the brakes. Like, you're going to take your time. You're going to do this. I think Doug Marone is is you know, and and, and I don't know if maybe because I think Mickey is a strong Doug Marone supporter, so maybe that makes things difficult. But not think, when you've seen O line play the last two years. 
Well, I mean, I don't think the O-line, you know, it's funny because the O-line, I don't think played terribly. And that's why I wonder if maybe Kevin Carberry is a guy you keep around. I just don't think, like, I don't think you can look at Trevor Penning's development into a player that you are not even willing to put on the field under any circumstances. Like, Andres Pete left the game. He left the game. He was hurt. Trevor Penning's active. And instead of putting him in, in a game that is meaningless in terms of you have won it already, it's over. Right. You, 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 all you, like, you don't think a couple reps there for, for the guy would be, why is he active then? Because they just they bumped James Hurst from left guard to left tackle, put in Max Garcia. Like, what will it take to get this guy on the field? They would rather play Tommy Kramer than yeah. Trevor Penning. And like, if, if you're, if he is not ready to play, then that is on the coaching, right? And one of the reasons I think the Arthur Smith thing is intriguing in terms of maybe one of the reasons DA wanted to wanted to kind of uh, play damage control is, you know, Arthur Smith is a former offensive lineman. Arthur Smith was an offensive line coach for the Tennessee Titans. If you are not planning to bring in Arthur Smith as an offensive coordinator, but you do want to consider him for a job, wouldn't the offensive line coach job make sense? Anyway, I just think Doug Marone, you know, I, I like Doug. I think Doug has been good with the media. I think he, 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 he's very um, informative. Like he, 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 he's honest. I don't think he's, I don't think it's resonated this year the way you hoped it would, particularly with Trevor M. When you spend a first round pick on a guy, you know, you, you typically wouldn't say that you're going to base your coaching decisions around specific players. But when you spend a first round pick on a guy that you need to, to show something, then yes, like if I don't see the development with this coaching staff and this approach, then yes, I do make a change. So I think to me, if you're trying to pick the most obvious coaching change that could happen, um, that's the one I point to is offensive. To me, you said it was right there. It's damning. The the game's in hand and you need someone on the field. And and what's Tommy Kramer's in the game? What? Tommy Kramer. Still still can't get Trevor in? But like you said, he's active though. And good enough to do field goal unit, but that's about it. Uh, it's that that one is one that doesn't sit right, and just something definitely has to be done there. And number one, you do have to go to his coach. Yeah, I mean, what what do you what do you do? Like, I I don't know. How, to me, that's damning, right? Like, again, you're talking about a first round pick. This isn't a sixth round pick. Uh, and 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 like you're like clearly there's a disconnect there, because again you won't even put him in the game when you're down. Like, it's not like I would understand if he's not the starter, but again, I've said this, he's not good enough to be the backup. What are we right, doing? Get in any kind of rotation to, to get a couple snaps here and there. It makes no, he's not even the jumbo lineman. Like, right. how is it possible that he can't go in there and run block? Like, and like you put Max Garcia in there and he falls started. Like, it's not like the other guys are just blowing you away. It's clear that they just but like and like why isn't he inactive? It's like they they keep him active in order to avoid having to answer the question of why he's inactive. <laughs> he didn't do anything, right? Anyway, no, definitely one of the maddening things in the the Saints roster this year. The other one's the usage of Jimmy Graham, obviously. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wait. 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 wait so you got wait, one. Wait. Pammy Whammy says, so if it was Jimmy, would it have been different? And this is one thing I I just wish I could get the answer to in terms of if Jamal had run for a touchdown like week two, and this was not an equation where you're like, we got to get Jamal his touchdown. Um, 
would they still have gone a wall and thrown a touch, like tried to find a way to get Jimmy Graham a touchdown? I don't, I don't know how you would because he's not in the victory formation, but like, no, I don't to me, know. It's I, not I, about Jimmy Graham. It was just the, the one not listening to your head coach and then your head coach throwing the team under the bus. That's, that's really what it is. I did. I would have loved to see Jimmy get one last touchdown, get to 70, get a round number. Although maybe he wanted to everybody. Go, maybe he wanted to ride off into the sunset with the 69. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, because I think it's like dunk it. If they, if these, if these, these officials want to be the villains and throw a flag, make them <laughs> go right ahead. That that yeah, would have been epic. Oh my god! Against the Falcons, you close it out. Jimmy gets one last touchdown, dunks it in the dome. Good night, everybody. Right, and again, like one of my biggest, like all Da had to do was play ball with the team. All he had to do was say, "Let's have fun." You know, let's. Uh, and he didn't, and I think that's you know to me that's the biggest. Like, he's not wrong though too for, for following the quote unquote rules of the game right there. Yeah, like unwritten the unwritten rules, whatever. Like you can go. Yeah. Like I agree with the with the unwritten rule that you should not run a play out of the victory formation. Because <laughs> again, like we talked about in the first segment, like you are you are getting the benefit of the doubt from the defense, and they're not doing like they could fire off the line. But what like they they don't because and that's the deal. Next time they will. Next time they will. And I think that's what you're <laughs> when Ed Daniels is going at Jameis, that's what he's kind of talking about. It's like, what if someone, you know, how about next time when when they fire off the line because they're pissed off that Ooh. you did and and then someone gets hurt, right? And you lose it, someone loses an ACL because anyway. Um, so I, I agree, I understand that. I, I think that's more than fair. So this is one that I think is funny. And I and I talked to people in the media room about this today because I think it's weird. So Robert Johnny says, wasn't Jamal Williams touchdown about a contract incentive? No, this had nothing to do with contract incentives. I've seen this circulated. No one has a contract incentive around one touchdown. Hello, come on. That's not how this works. No, I don't think he had any contract incentives, period. But like a maybe two, maybe two. <laughs> no, like they, they had nothing to do with an incentive. This was all about let's get one for Jamal. Like that's it. It like this isn't like in 2020 when Emmanuel Sanders needed eight catches, so you peppered him. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Like they'll do that. Teams will do that. Like that's right. that's not out of the like that's I understand why people might think this. And if there was an incentive tied to it, then it would be like, I get it. Right. Then it would make a little more sense. No, it was just let's get this guy a free touchdown, which just seems so. I don't know. Like I, that's like the, one of the, I definitely, I agree with Bobby in that, in that sense of like, maybe for, if it was for an incentive, I wouldn't be as pissed off, honestly, because it's all guy. All right. They did it for the money, man. Yeah. Well, I, I think teams should like, I think Dalton Schultz finished like one catch shy of his, of his like $250,000 incentive for the Texans. And I think any organization, I think whether the, or, like some organizations would still pay that out. Some wouldn't. And I think, Either way, that says a lot about you because, like, what's the spirit of this, right? Like, what's the idea behind an incentive? You played your ass off and you get a little extra money. And if you're going to be cheap about that one catch, like, like I, I'm interested to see if the Texans do pay that out. And I think the Saints have done that. I think the Saints paid out an incentive, maybe for Craig Robertson. Um, I, I want to say it was uh, probably 2016 where he, like, finished, like, just shy of one and they paid it out anyway. And for a guy like Craig who doesn't make Absolutely. crazy money. Like he makes right. crazy money relative to like me, but by NFL standards, you know, he's like, you know, destitute. And so like that, those incentives mean, a, mean a lot. 
you know, Craig like, Robinson, by the way, one of my all-time favorite interviews in a Saints locker room. He was great. Oh, he's, he's, he's great. I love, love Craig. Justin Pasquale says, I know, and I'm glad. This has the potential to be one of the best rivalry games in the entire NFL. These two teams just hate each other and makes it all the better. You know, I, I, I that's why I, I wish DA would lean into the, the rivalry. Like, that's, that's one thing. Embrace the dark side, Dennis. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> be the villain. I, you can root for a villain. Sean has always been the villain. Oh, absolutely. Because, yeah, it was PBM, like, well, he's our villain. PBM <laughs> 8264, we actually, we met at the Dome. He came up and said, hi. Uh, real life Derek Carstan. Not faking it. Okay. He says, no other QB but Winston would have done that. And, like, I agree with this. And I, not, I not in the sense a big that, middle finger from Winston. Not in the sense that no QB in the league would have done that, but no other QB on the Saints would have done that. Like if this was Jake Hayner, you know, a sec, a rookie or a second year player, like yeah, yeah. who is just trying to like make his way in the NFL, you're not no going to do that, way, right? Right. Derek Carr is not going to. He's the starting quarterback. He's going to be like, haha, guys. Yeah, I understand it, but they want us to do this, so we're going to do this. And you know, maybe yeah, maybe Derek Carr is a wet blanket. Sure, like that's kind of. I almost feel like it's Winston's like finger going out the door saying, listen, these guys will listen to me even more than you kind of thing. You know, I I don't think it's necessarily that, but I do think it is kind of a, like he was in a position where he disregarded any possible repercussions because he's like, what do I have to, what are you going to do to me? Right. Like he's made plenty of money. Bring me back next year, and I won't sit on the bench and get a chance when the quarterback shoulders hurt. Okay, no problem. Right. Like he clearly has no future here in terms of becoming a starting quarterback at all. Like that's never going to happen. Even if Derek Carr got hurt, they'd probably just go to Jake. Like you've seen it. Like you understand, like the situation. He's a good teammate. Like that's why I think everyone is just jumping over themselves to support him because he is such a good teammate and he has been so uplifting, despite the situation he's in, which is I was the starter here and then I got hurt and they took my job away and gave it to Andy freaking Dalton who can't even start in Carolina on a two and 15 football team. That's the guy, the backup to Bryce young was the guy that they took my job away and gave it to him and then let him go. Right. And then let him go so that they could sign somebody else to play over me. And then whenever that guy got hurt, they were like, oh, he's fine. No, he'll play. And then at the end of the season, they're like, well, he was hurt the whole time, so we can't judge him on that. But we still played him because, hey, you know. So, like, you put Jameis in that situation where he had nothing to lose. Nothing to lose. Because you engineered a scenario where he had nothing to lose. You created. You created the monster. Yeah. DA. Yeah. Like, 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 you are in this scenario because of your own decisions, <laughs> whether, well, you know, and, and like, I, I think Derek has played pretty well over the, like, I think he showed why you brought him in over the last month of the season. And, you know, I don't know how, what this, what this team would have looked like if it was Jameis for 17 games versus Derek for 17 games, but you know, we'll never know. But like, I fully believe that any like, like there's a reason, like this was like a perfect storm that ended with this the way it did. Like there's so many things that had to go a certain way for us to end up winning a game 48 to 17 and not talking about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that's where we are. But I love Jameis. Like I've, I'm a big Jameis fan in terms of, you know, the person and the type of, the type of teammate he is and the encouragement and just how he's always upbeat and how he, has taken all of these kind of things that have 
that have come to him, uh, whether he likes it or not. Um, and you know, it, so, you know, I, I think that's kind of, that's all I have. I, just, I never feel that he's real. I'm sorry for me. I feel it's all an act. Yeah. I mean, but that's, that's me. Opinion. Right. Yeah. I can't, I can't tell you you're, you're wrong. All I can say is like, I've never, I, I think well, as a starting quarterback, I, you know, I've said this before, like he's a platitudes guy, you know, like he'll say a lot of stuff. It doesn't mean anything. And that's one thing that I think is funny where like people prefer that until it's reality. And then you're like, he doesn't say anything. He's just, you know, uh, and it's like, like Jalen hurts is just like, Oh, it's all on me. I'm like, yeah, but why is it on you? What did you do wrong? <laughs> you know? And then Derek says honest things that DA is honest. And it's like, he's throwing him under the bus. You know, I, I think it's funny. There's no winning in certain ways, but no, you're right. Let's let's move on. A couple more questions here. There's like 55 more comments that have come in since since I starred them all. So I'm sure all about the Jamal touchdown. Yeah, no, a lot of it is Derek Carr was terrible for the first 11 games, and he was okay. I wouldn't say he was awful, but uh, I think yeah, you you see it. Um, and I I mean I'm curious to see what they're going to do in the draft, right? Like they're going to pick number 14. The last time they picked number 14, they took Marcus Davenport. The time before that, they took Malcolm Jenkins. So you clearly like guys with M's to start their name. It's maybe a Marcus Williams type. Um, They also drafted Ronaldo Turnbull in 1990 at number 14 overall. I don't, I, that was the year I was born. So I don't have much of a recollection for whether Ronaldo Turnbull was any good. Well, we know you should know, Jeff, though, we're not staying at number 14. We're moving on up. I wish they would trade down. <laughs> Asset collection. No, we'll we'll see. We'll see. Peyton Turner will have 10 sacks next season, says Lehman Park. Hey yo. Well, here's the thing. Like, and and I know this is kind of a joke, but I do think a 10 sack season is in there. He's been but productive. It- is a 10 game season in there? That's the real question. <laughs> right, exactly. That's the bigger question, right? Because when he's been in there, he's made an impact. And I think, sure. you know, it's it's funny because we look at the offensive line or the defensive line and we say, man, they really underperformed this year relative to expectations. Well, part of the expectation was to have Carl Granderson and Peyton Turner in a rotation, or at the very least, have Peyton Turner kind of spell in, right? Uh, he just didn't have that. And and like, again, like we, he was playing really well. You know, everyone was talking about it after that Chargers game, right? Uh, where he just put a guy in a spin cycle and, and forced a fumble in the backfield. Remember that? Isn't that a lifetime ago? <laughs> did that really happen? It did. <laughs> go look it up. Go go Google Peyton Turner Chargers and look at all like the film review videos of like, Peyton Turner's going to have a monster season. That is one of the coolest things. Like nowadays, if you know, you can just YouTube anything and you can find it pretty much like I'm just saying with sports plays kind of thing. And it's, it's really amazing. I tried to Google old, like Bobby a bear highlights. You really can't find them out there. I'm like, that sucks. I want to like put a montage together of the cannon. Yeah. Tim Fabenro says we seem to keep forgetting that we had the softest schedule in the league and played backup QBs. What would we be celebrating at nine and eight? And, and I mean, fine. Right. I'm not saying that this is a massive resounding success. But I did predict 10 and 7, you know? Like, it's not like I, I wasn't out there saying 15 and 2. <laughs> you know, it was funny. We were talking about this in the in the media room today of, like, you know, it was funny because, like, four weeks ago, we was like, oh, these Homer, Homer 
reporters all said 10 and seven, and they're not even going to get to eight wins. And, and everyone was like, ah, you got them. Yeah. Dunk on them, fool. And then it's like, well, would you look at that? They're nine and eight. Right. Exactly. And, apples and oranges right there. Right. It didn't go, you know, I, I mean, I don't know how, I can't remember how I predicted it, but you know, it definitely like, seemed a lot more sexier in my head than how it turned out. Right. And, and like 10 and seven, where you're talking about nine and eight versus 10 and seven and a 17, a game that you led 17, nothing but 12 minutes to go. And you lost it. Like that's the difference between being 10 and seven and nine and eight. Right. So in that sense, like they, they, you know, the, 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 broader calculus of this season kind of went the way I anticipated in that way. But no, I mean, yeah, they did have an easy schedule, but they did beat like, like what are you talking about with the, with the easy schedule in terms of what bad teams did they lose to? Like that's kind of where you, you look at it and you say, did they take advantage of the easy schedule? They did, but you know, like the, like the Falcons, right? Like the Falcons lost to the Cardinals and the Panthers and and at least one other really oh the commanders right like they lost to the teams picking at the top of the draft the saints lost to playoff caliber teams right like teams that were in contention until the very end right the minnesota um, game hurt me too because you didn't have even jefferson or, or you know that that was the ask the pastronauts last game or one of the last games he played yeah that, i mean that's probably the the worst loss in terms of you look at it but it's still not like a loss to the panthers right Right. Like you're talking about a loss to the Packers, which is a playoff. Like, let's go through them. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, you just look at it and you say, okay, where, where are the bad losses? Well, the issue is you didn't beat these teams that would be in a pick them. Right. So you lost to Green Bay there in the playoffs. You lost to Tampa Bay there in the playoffs. You lost to Houston there in the playoffs. You lost to Jacksonville, who at the time almost looked like a dunk playoff team. They right. missed, they, like, they were, they should have made the playoffs. Like, everyone was talking about at that point, but I can't believe it. Saints didn't hire Doug Peterson. Well, where's Doug Peterson now? Right. I mean, geez, that team fell off the face of the earth. But either way, like at that point, like it's funny because at the time, everyone would be like, yeah, it's, that's one of the better teams. And now you look at it as a bad loss. Um, but even then, you're talking about a team that probably should have been in the playoffs. Uh, you lost to Minnesota, a team that, again, that's probably that's a bad loss. That's one of your worst losses. But still, they were in the run. Like they were still a playoff right. caliber team. You know, you lost to Atlanta again. You know, that's a, not a great loss in in retrospect, but it's a division game on the road. Again, another team that could have potentially made the playoffs. Uh, you lost to Detroit, you know, the three seed in the playoffs, right? You lost right. to the Rams, a playoff team. So, like, again, like, yes, you had an easy schedule, but you didn't lose to bad teams. You just didn't be good teams. And that's that's a whole other thing. But like like you look at the schedule yeah, next totally year, right? And it's not going to be that much more. Like you're talking about. Like the thing is, like people are looking at the schedule next year and they're saying, "Oh, it's going to be more difficult." But in the sense that, how did you get to nine and eight this year? You beat the bad teams on your schedule, which you're still going to have bad teams on your schedule, and you lost to the good teams on your schedule. Well, all you're doing is slot. Like if you're going to assume you're going to lose to the Chiefs, you're going to lose to whoever. You're just slotting those teams into the teams you lost to this year, and you're still looking at the same general thing. And hopefully, you can play better and beat some of those teams. So I, I don't, I don't buy this idea that the schedule is going to be more difficult. So the Saints are going to win five games, but you have to play like you did to close out this season when you beat the Bucks, right? When you beat the Falcons, when you beat the Giants. Like those are the games that you have to be better in 
than you were in the first half of the season when you, again, you lost to the Packers, you lost to the Texans, you lost to the Jets. I got a question for the mailbag. Your first year on the sideline, what was your favorite game this year? That's a question. question. (laughs) Favorite game or favorite like location? I guess favorite game that you got to call. Like, like what you what do you feel like you had the best game too? Like, you had a like a, a plethora of knowledge to share with us. Oh, in terms of my calls, they were all bad. Um, <laughs> t- Tennessee, because I got to watch it from home. No, uh, that's a joke. Oh no, um, come on. I thought Tampa was fun. I had a good time in Tampa. Okay. Um, you know, because it was late in the season. I didn't know what to expect going into that game, right? Like I, I, I kind of, I, I said on the podcast, I expect them to phone it in and lose by twenty, and instead <laughs> they showed up. And you know, I, I like I, I enjoy watching road fans be sad. Sure, I really enjoyed the Packers game up until like about eight minutes left. Um, that was a lot of fun, but you know, it wasn't fun in the end. But like the what amazes me about Green Bay too is how close fans are to the field. There's not much yeah. sideline room. Yeah, you're you're right. Um, there's only one entrance in and out of the stadium. Um, you know, the Giants game was fun, even though I kind of you know, in, in any other week, I'm like, go Giants. Uh, right, exactly. I thought no, I that was a, that was a fun game to watch. Um, the the Lions game, you know, as 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 funny as that is, like you go down twenty one nothing. That comeback was a heck of a lot of fun. Like I enjoyed being on the sideline. Sideline is cool. Um, there's a clip, Bijan Robinson's touchdown. I tweeted it. I quote tweeted it. You can see me. I'm at the corner of the end zone. You can see me. I'm so proud of myself. I just stood there like this. Like <laughs> I did not move a muscle. Like, the camera pans over me. I look like a statue. I'm just, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I, I thought that was funny. Cause like, I was just like, you sons of bitches. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Season in the books. It's always like sentimental for me. Unless, Cause I get any, I feel like you should get a yearbook. Right, oh, like the memories you hear the music playing in the background. As we go, oh yeah, I remember on. that. <laughs> we remember. Oh they yeah, played that, that song with so and so. They played that song. Well, were you up in the? You you probably weren't up in the uh, press box at that point, but they played uh, that song, the whatever it's called by TLC, I think, the graduation song. But right, they right. played it over a montage of uh, Cam Jordan sacking Matt Ryan. <laughs> no, I Matt was calling that. the game. Matt was in the booth calling the game right. for CBS. So that was funny. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed no, that. No, the last funny. time we saw Cam approach him on the sideline and give him a big bear hug from behind. So I think that's hilarious that even though they were really mortal enemies there because Cam's coming after him, they're still really good pals and kind of laugh it off right now. Yep. I agree. But all right, you ready to wrap this thing up? Let's do it. I got to cook dinner. Yeah, seriously. It's six o'clock. Now, this storm has kind of been a nothing burger. I expected my windows to blow in and everything. Didn't happen. My wife said that Bob Rex blog or whatever he does, she said it's coming more overnight. So be braced. Okay. So maybe I spoke too soon. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Hold off there. Relax, Dennis Allen. But, you know, again, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone, who stuck with us all season. We've seen some really nice growth on YouTube and in the podcast feed. Um, You know, I, I, I really do encourage everyone, if you... If you have any opinions, if you want to ask for segments, if you want to get and do stuff specifically, hit me up on on Twitter. My DMs are open. It's at Jeff underscore Nowak. You can complain to Steve too if you want. Um, but yeah, and then I really appreciate everyone who's been who's been around this season. It's, I, I've had fun. I, I enjoy doing these podcasts. as a reason. Like we never intend to come on here and talk for ninety minutes. It just happens. But yeah, and and uh, yeah, There's I guess so the, much to get out about this team, and we appreciate yeah, totally everybody that tunes in. 
yeah and we're gonna you know it's not like we're gonna stop podcasting here it's we're just gonna switch in off season mode but it, you know it's it, it is fun and so uh yeah who that go saints in 2024 can't wait number 14 baby let's do it mock drafts oh 